I knocked, then pounded, and finally tried my key. She had changed the locks. The screen door banged shut as I walked through the mud around back. The grass seat I had planted had washed away, leaving patches of muck. Wooden sticks with hopeful plastic pictures of vegetables poked up from the empty garden Rose had planted along one side of the house. In the back, a wet sandbox and rusted swings, and all my stuff. Soaked books, the old model train I had bought for Max's last birthday and assembled in the basement, my typewriter, a stack of jazz albums Rose had never liked, a few 8mm W.C. Fields movies, and a baseball bat. I didn't know what to do. The rain was steady but relentless from a sky that did not change. I returned to the front of the house, squeezing along the bushes below the wet front window. I cupped my hands around my eyes and stared into the living room. The furniture was gone. Now, at five, six, seven, eight, you want to know what I did next. That's exactly what you say. What did you do next? The phone was disconnected, I say. I didn't know where my wife was. She didn't work. I couldn't find her in an office. So I did the only thing that I could think of. Which was? I parked across the street from El Segundo Elementary. The clock on the dashboard wasn't right. It seemed no clock ever was. But I was early so all I had to do was watch and wait. The wind wings went back and forth, clearing my vision of the street ahead, but I couldn't see the school through the driver's side window. So I rolled it down. The school's double doors opened into the rain that fell with a hiss, and the summer school students rushed out with colored umbrellas and rubber galoshes. I heard the shouts and laughter as they tottered across the quad to the long line of buses and cars. I waited for Max. He seemed to be the last kid, walking hand in hand with the teacher down the sidewalk. My face was spattered with rain and I blinked against it as I shouted, Max! The teacher looked up. Max, too, looked up and smiled and waved. I waved back. Max ran so happily that his feet got ahead of his body, giving an extra little kick in the middle of each stride. I thought he might overbalance himself and tumble straight into the street. I opened the car door, determined to catch him before he ran through the crosswalk where the man in the raincoat held the stop sign and a whistle. But Max wasn't running to me. He didn't even see me. He ran to the vehicle parked two spots ahead. It was the Ford Fairlane. Take a picture of this. They did, after all. The wings made rhythmic sounds against the glass and the radio sparked as lightning hit, and I pulled from the space near the crosswalk between buses and almost hit the car. That was when I saw the flash. It wasn't lightning. It came through my back window. I turned and couldn't see anyone. I wondered who had taken it. See this? From your stained evidence folder, I pull out another eight by ten. 
In it you can see my car pulling into the road along the school as I followed the Ford. Another picture. And another. All trying to prove, I suppose, that I was harassing my wife and son in addition to allegedly killing the woman. Allegedly, you say. You said, allegedly. Yes. Look at the images. They're in front of you, Ben. You were following the car. You followed the car in the rain from El Segundo up 405 to the Wilshire exit. You followed it until the driver realized you were following him and lost you. He was speeding. You take a drag on the cigarette. I want you to hear something. You press stop, remove the two reels from the bulky Sony, and with the cigarette still burning, put the tapes into two separate cardboard...